Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of Tesla Side Chats. It's your host Ted, and today I want to talk about a couple of things actually. Really good news for Tesla. They got exempt from China import duties for automobiles. That's really, really big right now, especially with all of the uh, trade fears that, that's really going on between our number 45 and, and the government of China in regards to tariffs. So it's, it's really good for the company in terms of um, uh, basically helping to satiate and maintain the momentum it's gotten in China. In addition to that, for those of you who have not seen um, the progress in Gigafactory, Gigafactory 3 in, in Shanghai, you guys should really check out um, the drone videos. Just Google it. They actually installed some test lines. There were some leaked images of the first um, Chinese-produced Model 3. Again, this was a patch of dirt in February. This is absolutely incredible, not just for Tesla, but for the auto industry as a whole. It can really help to move the market more towards electric vehicles. And I'm actually seeing more and more Teslas pop up in the area that I live in, which is um, actually very, very heavily populated with Chinese people, funnily enough. and. Almost every Model 3 or Model X I see is, exact, is is driven by a Chinese person. And I think one of the main reasons for that actually is the fact that Tesla has, in, in I think two updates ago or three updates ago, they included different language support in the United States finally. So you can actually change the entire interface to Mandarin Chinese. You could do it in uh, simplified or traditional, which is absolutely crazy. You can't do this in other cars. And especially with cars being more and more technology-based, this is really important for the user experience and just operating the vehicle and getting the most out of the car. So going right into it, today I really wanted to talk about how the competitive landscape has changed in, in such a short amount of time. We always see these articles that come out about Tesla killers, um, Tesla's really gonna have demand problems, other companies are catching up. I, I brought this up in the very first episode that I made in regards to Tesla demand. We have been waiting since 2012. We have to remember the first Model S, the S85, had a range EPA rated of 265 miles on the, the new EPA standard cycle. 265 miles of range um, right now there are, are quite a few cars that that are making some noise right now uh, that are going into production the Chevy Bolt actually just got a range increase the Hyundai Kona EV is now rated for 258 miles of charge the Porsche Taycan is actually making some huge waves right now in regards to uh, repeated testing of launches and on the track um, rumored Nürburgring testing with the Porsche. It's super exciting to be in the electric vehicle automotive industry, but I really want to just kind of um, go over what's going to continue to make Tesla special. Even though many of us Tesla fanboys still want a refresh, we're really hungry for a refresh. But what's what's really wonderful about Tesla is the the, the secret lies in the software and also not so much in the huge breakthrough innovations but the way that the company integrates and 
makes all of their small innovations add up to a better user experience and ultimately i think that's what's going to make the difference but there's a couple things now that i think people need to really uh think about when they're talking about the quote-unquote tesla killer so 265 miles of range a lot of these for the first model s a lot of these articles focus on one main thing and that's range 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 so why is that though because the focus for EVs or the biggest holdback for electric vehicles historically has been range anxiety. Once you get rid of that range anxiety, it becomes a question of the car. Now, I had the opportunity at the New York Auto Show to sit in the Kona EV and I've actually driven a Hyundai Kona. I actually own a Hyundai as well, uh, the Santa Fe. Um, it's a great little car. It's a really cute oot. It's gonna be really, it's really nice. Um, and what's interesting about that is they're, they're doing a, Hyundai's doing a great job of, um, of bring, bringing the electric powertrain to their cars. So one of those things that Hyundai did with the Kona specifically, the internal combustion version, is they designed that chassis and that architecture of the body to, to accommodate an electric vehicle drivetrain since the beginning. So what's fascinating about that and what's very important about that is it it helps Hyundai to package their car better down the road. Meaning if you've ever sat in a Chevy Bolt, they basically took, um, I believe it was the Spark or, or one of those, one of their vehicles, and they stuffed an electric drivetrain into that. That, that creates a, a, some issues. You have to accommodate the batteries, the power electronics, the... Um, the uh the cooling systems etc to fit into that body so you're kind of cramming things in versus designing around the architecture so in the chevy bolt when you sit in the back seat the front seat's fine if you sit in the back seat it's stadium style meaning it's a step up and it's a little bit higher now for a gentleman like myself that's six foot three and kind of wide like the average american that becomes an issue uh, with the Kona, what's great is they were able to avoid that stadium-style seating setup because they designed it with an electric powertrain in mind. But the issue with the Kona is it is still a small uh, CUV, compact utility vehicle. Yes, it has a little bit of extra height clearance uh, because the entire American auto market is going to the small SUV, but inside the Kona, there's still less room than my Model 3 uh, in terms in terms of headroom because of that all glass roof. And more importantly, my knees are touching the Kona's back seat when I'm sitting. I don't have that much of an issue in the Model 3. So they did a great job with that. Uh, but but this is where this is the key here. And what I think what's great about Tesla Obviously, they're now designing all of their vehicles from the ground up to be electric because that's what a Tesla is. So based on what Elon was saying, especially in regards to the Model Y that's coming out very soon, um, to make a car feel large, larger than it seems in the interior versus the exterior, it's very, very difficult. But that's kind of where the magic is with Tesla. If we go back to the Model S and we think about what really inspired the design of that car is you start with the electric drivetrain and then you bring in the best of the best in, in the areas that the car wants to target and conquer. So the, let's take Model S. So for example, Model S was built 
with the McLaren F1 performance in mind as a benchmark. And also it had to fit Elon's five kids at the time. And then more importantly, it had to beat a luxury sedan in that class. Coincidentally, Elon actually owned the McLaren F1. He owned a Porsche 911. He owned a BMW M5. So a lot of the cues and feature set of the Model S taken were, were taken to beat those specific vehicles. Now let's kind of graduate and look at the Model X. If you look at the presentation of when the Model X concept was launched, it had the Porsche 911 as the performance and handling target. It had the Honda Odyssey minivan as the cargo and storage target. And then it had the utility target of Audi Q7, which again, Elon owned the Q7. They actually rolled an Odyssey out on stage. And of course, Elon had a 911 as well. And for, for the most part, the 911 has been the hallmark of any kind of mid-engine uh, uh, rear rear engine motor uh, sports car and like that that's exactly what got the model x to what it is today uh the model 3 specifically i think they kind of took all those things and they made the 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 bmw m3 i believe it was the e46 as the target in terms of handling and it kind of drove that so it's electric powertrain the competitive targets and then more importantly you add the aspect that tesla likes to add on of its software and technology integration as well as its autopilot slash full self-driving system and you have a tesla that we know today now going back to the whole aspect of tesla killers again we are still waiting does tesla need to refresh its cars some will argue absolutely some will say not I'm in the camp where it says it's a nice to have, especially where the company is today. They're really channeling all of their resources on scaling efficiently. And more importantly, they want to make sure that they have the capacity to actually make the cars. So meaning they need to have more battery supply or they have to get more out of their batteries and focus on what they have currently. And this makes total sense. If you think about where Tesla is in the market, Again, so some of the innovations there are not huge or breakthrough, but it's the way that they make things play together. You looking at the user interface, you go into any modern Audi's MMI, if you go into um, any kind of BMW iDrive or Mercedes command system, the any Tesla, even a 2012 Model S, the UI is years ahead of what it's supposed to be. What what and this can't be appreciated until you live with the Tesla. I've been saying this repeatedly. I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But for anyone who's new to the car, um, it takes time to some fall in love with, the instant, love with it instantly. Uh, and others, it takes time. And for me, it's one of those things where I actually learned to love the core more as I drove it. Uh, I actually hated the Model 3, admittedly, when it first came out. Uh, it just wasn't for me. I love my Model S a lot more. But after driving the Model 3 and starting to use things, it actually makes so much sense. Now, um, do I think they're going to refresh the Model S and X? Absolutely. I think they are. But they're going to do it when it makes sense. And I, I, I brought this up a couple of episodes ago with the the Model S and X refresh, there is enough there to continue to uh, satiate demand. There is enough there for 
to make people upgrade yes there are some that are holding off but to the same measure it depends on what you value uh based on what the media will, will have you believe it's always about range it's always about range right now for for evs tesla has the most range now the other thing i want you to think about is not just the finite number of range it's the other aspects of the utilization and efficiency of the range yes the mpg e ratings are are higher on a kona than a model 3 or whatever it may be but the energy retainment meaning if you look at things like vampire drain if you look at the way that the battery is discharged deliver the power on the road these are the things that tesla does well and the advantage it has over other companies meaning that it can tune it via over-the-air updates this cannot be appreciated until you own one uh, for many of the uh, quote-unquote raven owners now they got a suspension update over the air and i brought this up a couple episodes ago this is going to be huge you can improve your ride quality with a software update you can improve your braking distance with a software update you can improve the zero to 60 time of performance with a software update you can't do this with any other car for the most part uh without going to a dealership to like flash or impact your your engine for any other electric vehicle for that matter it's just not there because they're taking these cars that were adapted internal combustion engine cars and trying to stuff an electric drivetrain into it so it's not built from the ground up um so let me just re-emphasize that point like right now the incumbents absolutely do need to catch up yes there are things on the horizon it's super exciting um but for me the only other close tesla competitor that's really looming um would be lucid motors in my opinion and and funnily enough the guy who is a ceo now uh peter rawlinson was the man who made the model s so there's no coincidence that the philosophy of design and manufacturing and just the overall cohesiveness of a car if you start with an EV first mentality and then start stacking things on like a layer of cake you're going to end up with a better product it can't be gas car let's make it electric you know yes there are hobby tuners out there and all that kind of stuff but we're not talking about that we're talking about mass manufacturing um, and it really has to start with that and also the benchmarks matter too it can't just be the range number alone it has to be that performance factor what are we trying to beat are we going to try to beat the best ev or are we going to beat the best of the best and that's actually where the magic of tesla is it's really the philosophy and the core benchmarks um so if you haven't driven one yet again please do it like you're missing out and more importantly the other thing about this is tesla's in an odd phase where there's awareness but it's not as high or it's incorrect due to the media uh there's a huge opportunity for tesla if you once you experience it yourself and many people have not um it's hard for us to understand this because we live in a world where we're in our own information echo chambers of what we what we want to listen to um but many have not experienced it yet even amongst the quote-unquote car people or car enthusiasts 
they have not experienced it yet. And even for those that own exotic cars, they, they just know, okay, a P100D can blow me off the line, but what about on the track? It, that's not what it was supposed to, you know, achieve, and they've never driven it themselves. This is what I've seen after talking to a couple of Ventador owners and Aston Martin Vantage owners. Even my buddy who has a 1200 horsepower GTR, he drove the, my Model 3 long range and he's like, my God, this feels like a rail gun. And he never even sat in a Tesla before until he drove mine. That's crazy to me. So it's crazy good and also crazy bad, especially with all the weird weather we've been having. But that's my thoughts. Uh, just to recap, Tesla killers, got to focus on the benchmark. Is a refresh needed? I think it's a nice to have. I don't think it's needed, but I think it's going to happen um, when Tesla sees fit. And more importantly, for those of you who are worrying about a refresh or if Tesla's going to fall behind or something, I'm a finance guy. God, I sound like Gordon Johnson. That's terrible. But I'm, I am a finance guy. If you look at the P&L and you look at the R&D spending, um, it hasn't really changed as a percentage of uh, as a fixed dollar amount it's changed as a percentage of sales certainly but it hasn't changed as a fixed dollar amount so there's really not much to worry about tesla will continue to innovate but it will scale it out when it sees fit it's becoming a company of less waste and less kind of uh suffering from model x syndrome where you want to put everything in there including you know including the kitchen sink it's becoming more phased uh which is good news for uh the company um and, I mean, we just have to be patient. This company moves quick. Uh, Ten years ago, it, the Model S didn't even exist, and look how far they came. So, anyway, guys, um, thank you for listening. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Um, I will have more content soon for the next episode. I've just been a little bit busy. All right, guys, thanks.